0: Martha Dean and her guest today, an old friend and a good one, Gene Shepard. And then tomorrow, bright and early, we'll all be back at 5 a.m. Have a good day. It's 10 o'clock.
1: This is Henry Gladstone suggesting you stay tuned as Martha Dean's guest is Gene Shepard.
0: Well, that's right, Henry. The guest on the Martha Dean program this morning is an old friend of yours and mine. And the man that was known by all of the W.R. listeners and a lot of other people, too. Gene Shepard. You, you look fine.
1: <laughs> well, you seem surprised.
0: <laughs> no. Well, that's a terrible thing what? to say to a guy. <laughs> you know, you really look good. I've heard people say that. Say, well, what happened? What did you hear? <laughs> well, you know, you're a night person.
1: Yes, it's always believed that night people
0: look have terrible blood in the morning.
1: problems. And, uh, look ter- no, that's not true. They, It's their mind that looks bad. It's not their body. If you could see my mind, I make Oscar Wilde's... Uh, uh, a Dorian Gray looked like a Boy Scout.
0: Your mind is not in order this morning. No, my mind
1: is full of pockmarks, and it's 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 an evil thing with red eyes.
0: Well, I'll just concentrate at... on the body, though, because it looks fine. That
1: mustache is very impressive.
0: <laughs> That's right, absolutely. Let me see the back of your hair. Yeah, it's all right. That's, That's cold. just right. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, sort of. It's not short and it's not long.
1: No, it's no. just right. I I tread a, a middle line. We night. We people at night have to be very careful because we can get fired very easily just because... Uh, well,
0: nev- you haven't.
1: No, that's true. That's because we, we learn footwork early in the business. All night men do.
0: Do night men have more trouble than day men?
1: Oh, yes. it's uh, In almost every office, major organization, it is believed by the people who work in it that all operations cease at 5.30. Or at least when they catch the train to Darien. I'm
0: going to call you on <laughs> They'll think that at the New York Times on a morning paper.
1: Oh, no, no. Well, that's a different kind of an outfit. It's the morning guys that are in trouble over there. It's the guys that work after the papers in bed and, and uh, all distributed. It's the, uh-huh. it's the guys that come in after the excitement.
0: But around a radio station, the night people are always in trouble, huh?
1: I have never seen it otherwise.
0: Well, what do you all do to get you into so much trouble?
1: Just because we're out at night. That's, that's enough. <laughs>
0: you aren't getting a little paranoid. Oh, no, no, no,
1: no. I've, I've, I, although I do believe that that, uh, that once you've been rubbed... Uh, robbed? Uh, rubbed. Robbed. <laughs> it's the same thing often to a night guy. But, uh, see, there's nothing open. It's, at night, you know, you get used to drinking 12-hour old coffee uh life at, uh, when you work at night uh, there's many little amenities that you're used to that we just don't see uh, for example uh, right here at the station is
0: your coffee hot this morning it is dear I have not
1: had hot coffee in over six weeks that means that I have not been in the station before two o'clock in the afternoon in that yeah. lifetime of time uh the candy machines are always empty by ten o'clock here by uh by by uh by eight thirty. Uh, the machines are giving nothing but empty 7-Up cans. And Barry Farber? Well, Barry Farber's always here, but uh, he you know, that's a uh, doubtful... Uh, uh, <laughs> Barry, Barry doesn't come in dispensing coffee. <laughs> he comes in dispensing you all. You know? And he
0: doesn't uh, fill the candy machine or anything.
1: No, no, it's funny. Uh, when you see Barry, you know you know that things are getting tough here. When when the when the elevator doors slam at at, at eleven fourteen, and Barry makes that last sprint for the studio, you uh-huh. can hear the thunder of feet coming down, and you just better not get in his way.
0: Uh huh. Uh huh.
1: I've seen nice little old ladies get run down by Barry. He says sorry, ma'am. He comes running into the studio here at that hour.
0: Did you fill Carnegie <laughs> Hall a couple of weeks ago, single handed, standing room only? I did. Well, don't be so modest about it. What'd well, what do you do? What do you say? I, I'm... How many people can be seated in Carnegie Hall? Gee, I think around uh, 2,700.
1: It's a big hall. I know. And, uh, I know. beautiful hall. You know, uh, playing that uh, hall, it's funny, Martha. I, it, it's it's hard to describe what it feels like to walk out on the stage of Carnegie Hall to, to perform. Actually, to perform. Not as a guest on somebody's show, but to really go out... And that's why people came to see you. And uh, it's a great feeling. It's a fantastic hall. And uh, I think one of the great cultural landmarks of America, obviously.
0: was a good audience.
1: Great. Uh, of course, uh, as a performer, as a, as a comic on stage, you know, and a pantomimist, which is the way I work, most of my work on stage, you know, is, is, uh, is, is visual. It's not verbal. I don't stand on the stage and talk. It's a meme, which is what... It's the stuff that I did when I first came to New York when I was with New Faces and I worked with reviews and so on. And uh, I miss the visual.
0: Why didn't you invite me? Everybody else
1: does. Well, I thought you were invited. (laughs) Weren't you invited? Oh, I can't believe that. No, no. uh, uh, That's... baffles me.
0: Well, I didn't know maybe you were trying to keep all of us at W.O.R. out of Carnegie Hall. Are you on. kidding?
1: Uh, to get people at W.O.R. to come to anything that you do, you have to have a very strong blackmail lever of one
0: kind or another. Well, I would have been there.
1: <laughs> I know you would have been there. <laughs> <but> philosophically, <here. laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> I don't have to go into that.
0: All right, now, Jean I'll give you a chance to finish that coffee while it's hot. Good. Because the... It's an unexpected treat. Yes, and if you finish that, mm. there's some more in the control room still hot. You can even have a second cup around here in the morning.
1: I'm mainline coffee. I've, I've been known to eat the beans dry.
0: I'm saying anything about the book that's going to be published in January because I don't want to right now. But I will in a minute or two. Okay. Uh, now we'll go to the Flemington Fur Company at Flemington, New Jersey. Oh, no, first of all... Oh, look at that. That's Dick Willard. Morning person brings the coffee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brought it hot right out of the control room. Um, I've been asked to tell you about UNICEF greeting cards. This is not a commercial to it is Christmas cards. Yeah,
1: there's a recycling company downtown that just removes all the dresses and stuff. You can send them out again.
0: Are you Believe that you know, No,
1: i have tell you the truth, yeah.
0: Oh, but Gene, don't leave it there because the telephones will come off the wall.
1: Well, I'm not going to tell them where it is. know? not? No, I'm not going to tell people the address of my basement. I mean... <laughs> Are you kidding?
0: <laughs> oh, well please don't call up because he won't give the address and I don't know it. So don't ask.
1: And, and you I'll... wouldn't want to know those people anyway, they're terrible people, awful manners.
0: The kind of people who were raised recycling. On...
1: They recycle with Christmas cards.
0: They'd be handy people to know in case you get a summons.
1: Yes. <laughs> they are. <laughs> Could erase the
0: whole thing. They're
1: short, fat men with cigars. <laughs> All right, if you
0: want to know more about UNICEF greeting cards, call that number, 685-1300. Now, uh, let's... <laughs> now this is the Martha Dean program, WOR New York. My guest this morning is Gene Shepard. Gene Shepard, who is heard every single evening. No, not Saturday. No. Five nights a week. I used to be on Saturday. I know. Five nights a week on WOR. I was replaced by a turntable. Well, that's life today, isn't it? No, it's radio. (laughs) Not quite the same. (laughs) Uh, Gene, the last time you were here, gracious, was it a year ago?
1: Oh, it's it's easily that, yeah.
0: We talked about a book of yours, Wanda Hickey's Night of Golden Memories and Other Disasters. Yes. And it did very well. It was on the Time bestseller list, yeah. I know. And now, uh, this is not why you're here this morning, to talk about the new book, so I'll talk about it. Uh, (laughs) The Ferrari in the bedroom.
1: Yeah. It's coming out. It'll actually be in the stores the 20th of November. Uh,
0: The the publication date is not until January. That's right. That's... that's
1: (coughs) (coughs) Excuse me. Uh, That pub date idea is is sort of going on a date. It isn't like it used to be. I know. Uh, And the pub date really is the date when, uh, I guess, theoretically, reviewers can write about it if they decide to. But most books today are, are in the stores a good uh, six weeks before they're actually the actual pub date.:
0: That's
1: right. And, and uh, Dodd Mead tells me that uh, books will be in the store the 20th.
0: Well, I have some bound galleys.:
1: In fact, all our advertising is it begins uh, something like the first week in, in December.
0: Well, this is a pre-publication date to yeah. m- not interview. No, on interview.
1: Do you know, uh, looking at that found galley, do you know that one of the great new hobbies today among uh, uh, people who are interested in books, the real bibliophile, is collecting galley copies of books because they're very valuable. Yeah? Oh, well, yes. In fact, if you can get a galley copy, I discovered that a galley copy of my first book, for example, In God We Trust, which I don't have, a galley copy, is worth now around $700. They're very rare. Uh, You see, the publisher only made 50 of those that you have in your hand right there.
0: Well, then I... I only
1: have one myself.
0: You don't have one?
1: Well, I only have one. That's it. Uh, This
0: is what I better keep, then.
1: Yes, if you can. I I, I don't know whether they'll let you keep it, but those are quite valuable. Well, I
0: don't know either, but now after having listened to you, they're not going to get a chance to get (laughs) it back because I will just say I lost it. (laughs) Well, that's what happens.
1: They're really very, very rare, you know. No, I didn't know. Sure. Do you uh, think
0: all of our listeners know about a bound bound galaxy? I don't know, but uh, maybe they don't. Why don't you explain what it is? Why don't you you well, the guest here. Well, abound galley,
1: uh, I'll explain what, what an author goes through. When an author submits his manuscript to, uh, when he, when his final manuscript is given to the publisher, uh, there's a period of waiting when uh, the various people at the publisher goes o- they go over it for punctuation and various little mistakes you might have made. And then finally, when they decide to submit it to galley proof, they will turn out a series of long, pieces of paper, which are really the the, the real galley. And uh, so then the author gets these galleys, and he then makes any last changes that he wants to make in the book. He goes through, and if he wants to change a word here and there and so forth, he goes through this whole thing. It's a very tedious process. It takes you about two weeks of of going through with a fine-tooth comb. And then after you've finished that, you send back the galleys to the publisher, and he says, okay, it's now locked in, at which point there's no more changes you can make in the book. And a couple of weeks later, you will receive what they call bound galleys, which are really printed in the same size page as the final book. It looks, it, it doesn't look quite like the final book, but the page size and so on is the same, and... Uh, Actually, not in this case. The The pages are not this big in the in the in my final book. And and also, my final book has drawings, which I have done for the book. Well,
0: the there illustrations... are never illustrations in bound galleys. No, no
1: illustrations at all.
0: They're always paper bound.
1: And uh, that's what's called a bound galley. And the, the bound galleys are sent to very special reviewers in that, in the country. And they go to the... Uh, publishes weekly, which does a, a, a trade review that goes to the Kirkus people. It goes to people like you who, who do a lot of book work, and uh, those are very carefully husbanded by the publisher. The uh, bound galleys, they really
0: are. Now, uh, since we'll do a program, later. incidentally, they're
1: very expensive to make, among other things, uh, because it's just like turning out a. 50 copies of a book. That's it. That's expensive. Uh, no, they really are. They, they, a bound galley is much more expensive to make for a publisher than, say, a bound final book, which is made in great quantity.
0: Now, this is, uh, is marked uncorrected galleys And I've read chapter, uh, I've read The Man of the Future May Be a Woman. Right. Because I thought with bound galleys, and you coming to the program this morning, we might talk about one chapter, but not about the book. We'd better wait until close to publication date. And then if you'll be good enough to come back, we'll do a program on the book. I'd be really delighted. Because, it's a, you know, I did pick through it, and it's great fun. <laughs> I don't <want laughs> It's a to strange it. book. Uh, the,
1: the people at Dodd-Mead, my, my editor, who's edited a lot of people, he says he's never quite seen a book that is, is quite as... as well, a now curio. talk about the title. The Ferrari in the Bedroom? Well, uh, that title... It comes from one of the essays in the book, uh, which uh, really is a combination of many things. I think that that today uh, people look upon uh, sex in many ways as a sporting event. <laughs> 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 I do. did it. you
0: decide that?
1: Oh, I thought about it for some time. I, I see the day when it's going to be an Olympic uh, main event. You know, Howard Cosell will be on hand, and, <laughs> and they'll have three-minute... Rounds and so on, <laughs> but uh, and of course there'll be free you know, I love There'll that. be all I, kinds of variations. There'll be free take classical th- figures that'll be performed. But
0: uh, I know. have to take that <laughs> apart and go back to the word today. You see, sex today is thought of as a sporting event. I think in many people's
1: minds it is. Yeah, oh,
0: it, it, gonna... like
1: every sporting event, it's considered very difficult. That's why there's so many books about it, uh, of the David and Reuben ilk. You know how to correct your backswing and how to correct <laughs> your approach and various other things, and, and you'll find that anything that is a sporting event <laughs> involves all kinds of expertise. You know, uh, no one would ever think of playing golf today without at least four or five books that he carries around. You know, Arnold Palmer on the on the hook, and uh, <laughs> so so you okay. see the great proliferation of books about sex, the how-to books. Right says that sex has now become a uh a real competitive event and everybody needs four or five books oh at least i mean uh, you uh, i can i can just see <laughs> i could see two people you know with with contrasting styles one has read reuben and and uh, somebody else has read uh, uh, has read uh, one of the handbooks that are turned out uh, by by lady magazines and, they, and then they, they contrast and the one is
0: one has spent a couple of weeks with masters and johnson
1: oh yes of course that's the that's the classical technique that that's not the freeform technique of Ruben, and, and people who have, you know, who go through the master's school are going to have a lot of trouble with the Ruben people who tend to be a little more informal and pragmatic.
0: You've given us your full attention. Oh, I have you. indeed.
1: Yes. I mean, sex is one of the major preoccupations of our time.
0: <laughs> All of any time, not no, just not, our time. Not
1: necessarily. There was a time when people had a little more reality about it and realized that sex was only part of life. Many people, they think it is life. And, uh, this has caused a great confusion in a lot of people's minds. Because <laughs> the mind is willing, but the glands ain't there, you know? <laughs> and so, <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's a, it's a very interesting problem, I okay? think. And that's why the title, The Ferrari in the Bedroom, uh, see, it, 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 it combines many various philosophies because you know the Ferrari is a mean competitive machine if you know anything about the Ferrari no I don't well the Ferrari is not your average bought you well well <laughs> Martha the Ferrari is not your average Chevrolet I th- <laughs> the Ferrari is one of one of the great racing machines of all time oh mean lethal car oh it's an automobile and Oh, course, I know that well but it's a special kind of automobile one oh. does not approach a Ferrari to drive to the A&P.
0: What does one do in it?
1: There's only one thing that a Ferrari's good for. (laughs) That's getting out and beating other Ferraris. That's all. Oh. I mean, you don't... I expected
0: one of those Rumble Seas. You just
1: don't load the Ferrari up with the kids and the dogs and a canoe on the top and tow a a trailer behind and go up to Maine. It's just no way.
0: And... You uh, you just, what, hot rod around in it? It's not hot rod. Oh, no, no, no. That's a very elegant machine to be hot rodding. Oh, what It's not clear to me. Well what you... I'm supposed to do if you give me a Ferrari for Christmas. Instead of a all copy of David say, Rubens.
1: All I could say <laughs> if somebody gives you a Ferrari for Christmas <laughs> you've hit the double jackpot. And I and I would I would suggest that you you watch that guy carefully. He's up to no good. Anybody gives you a Ferrari for Christmas.
0: He isn't likely to, though, is he?
1: Well, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Neath those sparkling well, if uh, gave eyes you that for Christmas, <laughs> what would you do with it? <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> a Ferrari, a, a Ferrari. <laughs> what would I do with it? Well, let me see. Uh, why
0: would it be so important to change your life?
1: Well, apparently you don't even know much about the mystique of the Ferrari, so I can see right away I'm going to have trouble with this title. It's like it's like my first book. Uh, in God We Trust, all others pay cash.
0: But I understood that. Well, I dug that.
1: Well, that's uh, you might have dug it, but I'll tell you around the country, it was filed next to Billy Graham books. It was filed under God and religion, and I suspect that my book, The Ferrari in the Bedroom, is either going to be filed under Italian cooking. Or, or, uh... <laughs> or quite... Or oh, automotive guide! Or quite automotive guys. Right, I'll tell you. <laughs> you think I'm being funny, but, you know, it, it, this is so true. Uh, 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 Robert Benchley wrote a beautiful essay on that. You know, I think Benchley wrote more funny stuff about the whole thing of writing than anybody who ever wrote. I do, too. And he, he, he explained at the beginning of one of his books, he said, You know, the last time I turned out a book... He said, uh, he says, I I, I made a terrible mistake. He said, I called the tennis, anyone? And he said, I thought this was a funny line. He said, except that they gave it to the sporting editor of the Times to review. And he he was serious. He says, very serious. He says, the New York Times was reviewed by the tennis editor. And he said, so now I've I've decided to go all the way. He says, now I I want them to know it's a book, a definite book. So the name of this new book is... David Copperfield or Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. He says, "Now I'm, I'm sure that it's going to be given to the fishing editor." <laughs> he says, "But, but it, this is so true, and people think this is not uh, not not possible. But yet, it's funny. You take Wanda Hickey now, my last book, uh, Wanda Hickey's Night of Golden Memories, a collection of short stories. Well, would you believe it or not that it was it was treated by the People who do Time Magazine, for example. Time Magazine listed it in its bestseller list under nonfiction. it was fiction. Of course. Yeah, well, but, but it was written in the first person, so they assumed it was nonfiction, you know. <laughs> and, and so book reviewers are, are the most literal people. I won't say they're literate. They're literal people.
0: Well, I think it'll be marvelous to have the Ferrari in the bedroom reviewed. you. No, I'm worried about Automotive it. engineer. See, I thought
1: automatically you would know what a Ferrari is. Well, I it's
0: know it's a car.
1: person of your wide uh, oh, acquaintance absolutely. among the uh, Demi-Mond. Oh, abs-
0: oh abs- say that again. I like that.
1: Oh,
0: <laughs> uh, I know it's a car.
1: Well, it's a special type of car. It uh, It's a car... Anybody who buys a Ferrari is, is saying something about himself. To begin with, uh, he lives life to the hilt. Uh and, and, and he has he's no no thoughts for the future. One does not buy a Ferrari saying, gee, I wonder what the trade in value is gonna be next year. One never questions how much gas mileage you get on a Ferrari. By the way, they make the only twelve cylinder car that's made in the world today. It's a twelve. And Oh, it's a and it's a racing twelve. Every Ferrari is built uh in a, a, the racing tradition. They're all basically racing machines. There's no such thing as a Ferrari
0: station. Well, where... now the title is perfectly clear to me. Right. It's a, the it's a Ferrari, Ferrari in, in the bedroom.
1: And the Ferrari a in the bedroom. cylinder That's
0: job. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and the
1: Ferrari in the bedroom refers to the fact there's certain guys, certain people who approach this arena, the bedroom, mm-hmm. as a total sporting event, one that is meant to be
0: won. Now, let me tell you, this is not a dirty book.
1: No, not at all.
0: In fact, it's a very clean book. Well, Well,
1: your particular copy has a lot of fingerprints all over it, but that's what's, you know, that's your own problem. uh, It was clean when you got it. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I can say. (laughs) All
0: right, now, uh, the man of the future may be a woman. That's one chapter ahead. That's right. It's a separate piece. (laughs) Which begins... (laughs) You better
1: not read it. You said it was quaint. You better be careful. <laughs> oh, that's right. I had one reviewer says. Oh, now I'm going to right. read a particular paragraph. And he started to read, you know, and how many reviewers don't necessarily, on the air, on television. And they don't necessarily read it over before they start. And this one clipped right through the first paragraph in one of my books. And a very juicy word came right out before he could stop himself.
0: Well, you just stopped me. Say now, 100%. Gene, I read this chapter. The yeah. man, I told you, and I wasn't fooling you, the man of the future may be a woman, and I think it would make a very interesting discussion. But I'd forgotten the last line in that first paragraph, and I can't read it on no, the No, you air. can't, no. No.
1: Not today, at least. A couple of years, you may be able to. Yeah, I wouldn't
0: be. Oh, too. yeah. Well, I except I think there's a, there's another subject. I think there's a trend away from that. Had Yes, noticed? I think
1: so, yeah. In Have fact, you
0: noticed that fewer and fewer people are using four-letter words in, in the last uh, six uh, months?
1: It, it, that's quite true. I, I think that's true. Yeah. I just, isn't it? There's a lot of changes going on in the country, and I think uh, our election yesterday showed that in, in many ways. And I think we're starting a whole new... See, I think uh, societies go in great plateaus, and I think that, that we are seeing, and we, we did see in the last of, of the 60s, the end of one plateau and the beginning of another. Right. Now, what that right. n- new plateau is, I'm not, I'm not prepared yet to say. Who knows?
0: I mean, Gene, let me do some work right here on W.O.R. Mm-hmm. New York. Let's go to uh, Alexis Lachine. All right? Oh, fine. That's fine. Well, At this
1: hour of the morning, that's an elegant way to start the day. You're not supposed to drink wine this hour in the morning. Well, it depends on who you are. A little rosé and sliced iced pear—that's the elegant way to live for breakfast in a Ferrari. <laughs> in a Ferrari, of course. <laughs> in the bedroom. You, you live such a <laughs> such a plebeian life. I'm oh, sorry. Oh, absolutely.
0: No Ferrari in the bedroom. No share. Uh, no uh, Alexis Lachine on sliced pear on ice in the bedroom. Oh,
1: that's a nice way to start it? it? Dick loves that. I'd look at his glasses <laughs> clouding up.
0: <laughs> All right, the Lexus machine this is to this country. And this is the Martha Dean program, W.O.R. New York. And my guest this morning is Gene Shepard. Gene Shepard. And there's the new Gene Shepard book, and I'm glad. I'm a fan. I always have fun you with yours. You are one of the
1: first people who encouraged me in my writing, you know. I, I remember that a long time ago when I first came to the station here in you kept after me, nagging me about writing. Remember that? Yes, I do remember, but I didn't know you did. Oh, I sure do. <laughs> I used to go out of here feeling conscience-stricken. <laughs> I was in the studio, and you'd say, when are you going to write? I'd, I'd leave
0: the studio, you know, walking with my head hanging low. Well, I'm very pleased about you, because, um, uh, you know, sometimes as you get older and you see somebody who has a special talent, you sort of mention to them you ought to do something about this. And then they do nothing. Oh, I've seen so many But people. you just got right to it. That marvelous book about George Aide. That book I'm quite proud of.
1: You know, that's still a library textbook. Uh, it's in libraries all over the country, and it's uh, an interesting book. I, I think Aide is due for a great revival anyway. I've said this for a long time. I know. Oh, it was a superb book. Right from the beginning. You know, it's funny. My, my career as a writer, uh, which most people I suppose in New York are not particularly aware of because my books are nationally and internationally distributed and they're not specifically related to New York. It's an interesting career. I, I mean I I, I I know a lot more now about the world after observing the various convolutions that my books take. And now I've now this is my fourth book, a uh, major book. Mm-hmm. And uh it's interesting how how the accumulative reputation you get. You know, I, I used to hear that from publishers. A publisher would say, well, look, people don't take you seriously as a writer until at least your second or third book. You may have a big cause celeb, uh, but after... And that's quite true. It's, it's literally true. And, uh, and it's a very interesting f- uh, developmental thing I have. And by the way, you learn to write better. The more you write, the the better you get at it, and the more control you have over what you're
0: doing. Uh, oh, I agree. I think that uh, anything you do day after day, you get better at, don't you?
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, although up to a certain point, I'd agree with that. I think I think uh, that there is a little uh, there is limit. In other words, you can you can overwrite. I think the problem with most uh, hacks is that they write too much and they become, there's a certain glibness that comes. It's like automatic writing doesn't often have enough of a focus, uh, and, and uh, that can be a problem. Uh, I find many writers, I find, especially a writer who commits himself to having uh, a book every year, that you, you begin to see, well, I'm, some famous writers have done that, you know. They want to have a book every couple of years. They want to keep their name out there. And you, you, you see where their writing goes through cycles of... Where, where they've just sat down and they've turned this thing out, just like so much salami. And they probably think they're writing well, but you get overtrained. It's like an athlete, too. He can overtrain. He can
0: practice too much. Your story is interesting, though, because in, in my head, it interests me because I thought of you as a broadcaster and a good one who wrote a little. And I don't... No way. Now I think of you as a writer... And, and I th- you know well I see I think you're that a hurt really cr- good writer well too, I not think not that's hurt a a my r- career writer,
1: uh, in this town career. you know because because who
0: does some broadcasting
1: yeah most well, it has hurt me in New York in, in a sense that that uh, that the fact that you're a broadcaster you know, this is the first country that believes that a man is only capable of one talent. Uh, it's not true in in Europe uh, that a, that, a, that an actor can also be a fine playwright. Mm. And has been including Shakespeare among others,
0: Including Jason Miller right now
1: well, there have been many uh, and and but in America, this is always looked upon as very suspect uh, that actors're you uh, supposed to specialize you're you're supposed uh, many many an actor I know well they, they it 's not that you 're supposed to specialize people people tend to look upon your product with suspicion uh, if so you for do example, more than one thing yes, uh, for example. Uh, uh let's take the case of Tom Tryon, who wrote the other Now Tryon uh, almost every reviewer seemed to express astonishment that an actor <laughs> could write a book like this oh, uh, it, oh, it, oh, it, it, oh. yet it would never it, nev- it would never occur to them to be surprised that say a, a college sophomore from a from a university in Southern Texas could write a good book. Uh, Larry Mer- yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it is strange, yeah. but it's part of our, Cliche ridden time. And I have, uh, uh, I I know perfectly well that that many reviewers here in New York City approach me the way you said. I'm a broadcaster who dabbles in writing. Not so. You do not turn out four books in five years dabbling.
0: Well, uh, you might. Well, I don't know. Because I get some books that have been written dabbling. I'm talking about good books by a good writer like you.
1: Well, that's uh, what I mean. I don't see any. Ser- well, no, seriously, I don't. I don't see how you could. T- uh, that writing, especially uh, on a national level, when when you when, uh, for example, most of my short stories have appeared in Playboy, have very high standards. Uh, one of the most difficult markets to crack. This is not dabbling. That's, that's roughly good. like right. saying you know you you you've, you've come in third in the. Uh, in the uh, Bing Crosby Invitational Golf Tournament, as a dabbler, you just don't do that. <laughs> no way. You play golf. Uh, I play a little. I played. I played in the, my first major tournament last year. Are you I, any good? Well, no, but I, <laughs> I, I. I'm honest about that. I. Let's put it this way: my heart's in the right place, but the head of the club is rarely.
0: Uh, Gene. <laughs> <Jean>, uh, <laughs> now we we have to. Going to the, the Ferrari in the bedroom. The title kills me now that you've explained it. Uh, we have to do a program about this soon, I hope.
1: Oh, I'm, you know, any time. I'm delighted to do it, uh, <laughs> as you know. But, but uh, I don't know what, uh, you know, I don't, I don't uh, know what. You, I'm, I'm curious when you see the final bound copies, because the bound copies have drawings. The first time one of my books I've illustrated it myself with drawings.
0: And uh and not only a broadcaster yes, and a writer, sure. he also will. I'd better just look at Dick's face now. His glasses are clouded for another reason. I have to do Robert Hall. Robert Hall. Uh, you know, all they want me to hang it in your favorite supermarket. It features yams and marshmallows mellowed together for a delicious holiday recipe. Dress your dinner table with America's finest, Royal Prince and Princella yams, Always a holiday tradition.
1: Remember what their slogan is, I am what I am. I am what I am.